0: Hello, hello, peeps. Did you just quit your job? Because I did. (laughs) Well, a few months ago, really. I'm Marisela Herrera, and welcome to this little corner of the internet where we talk about the messy middle. That portion of time when you're going through a life-changing career transition and don't really know where to look. But boy, do I have a treat for you today. This conversation was one I knew I wanted to have even before I sent in my resignation letter. Really, that's how much I believe in this person as a coach, and honestly, just as a nice human. Today, I'm interviewing Caroline Sinisa Levine, former HR professional turned entrepreneur, coach, recruiter, comic, and as I find out during this episode, former actress. She's full of surprises, that Caroline. I've known Caroline for years. In fact, she was probably one of the first people I met when I started at my old company. So she saw me navigate more than a decade of work, a bunch of different roles, and really become the professional I am now. And trust me, when I look back at those 10 years, I changed a lot. You'd never think of me as an introvert, shy, quiet person, but... Well, that was me, (laughs) still an introvert, definitely not shy or quiet though. Anyway, I've always admired Caroline's no-nonsense approach and her willingness to help other people. Because Caroline works with a lot of people going through career pivots, this episode doesn't only cover Caroline's story, which is full of career transitions, but it also goes into examples and tips from her work with clients. I promise it's packed with good stuff. In fact, I like some of Caroline's suggestions so much that I take them on. And I'll be sharing a little bit about my experience with that uh, tomorrow on a special mini-sode. It'll be a little update you can listen to. See, I'm trying out some new stuff. Definitely looking for clarity at the end of this tunnel. Anyway, I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks. For listening, let me know what you think. You're a comic. Yes. And I love that. I love because that because you bring that energy, that charisma, that um, spunk. I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> to call it. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I was going to say gravitas, craziness. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that just extra to your work. And, and I think it's something that you you can't really learn. You have it or you don't. No, you can develop it. I got into it taking a class. I never
1: wanted to be a comic. I picked the class to help my writing and just fell into it. And I saw firsthand in the class because we all started out pretty terrible, I think. I mean, and then worked through it so it is a skill i think it's like when people say that being a leader you're either a leader you're not i don't think that that's true at all you're either an entrepreneur you're not that's not true at all there are so many things that people i think attribute to genetics or some innate talent that really are actually skills and mindset, and practice.
0: Ooh, I like that, because that gives me some hope. And that's so interesting that you started up to improve your writing. I kind of have to look into that. Yeah, for sure, because the whole point of it is you're writing your stories, you're writing jokes,
1: and it helped with a lot of, I mean, it helped with communication in general, because the whole point is that it's the audience that decides the joke, right? You might think Mm. something is incredibly funny, And there have been many times where i'm like i'm sure this is funny and it's because i either can't edit it properly or it's really just not funny but the whole point is is that you know like sometimes you get it wrong right and so it is communication it's both the giver and the recipient so i
0: it's an important reminder for everybody not just comics i've been actually thinking for a long time uh, of getting into improv because of that, to wanting to improve my, just my presence and, and my fast thinking. Improv, I did improv for years and years too. So that also helps with. Yeah, it feels like improv would really help with, you know, courage, just thinking on your feet. Yeah, for sure. Spontaneity,
1: courage, I mean, just the courage to get off the line and jump into a
0: scene. And boy, yeah. So anyway, I would love it if you could introduce yourself to our audience and Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and we can work from there. So it's funny because you mentioned that we know each other for over 10 years that I've
1: seen you through all these different roles. The entire time that, that you have known me, I've been an entrepreneur running my own recruiting and coaching business. But prior to that, I spent 15 years in a traditional job like everybody else. But I w- I started as a strategy consultant in the risk management investment banking practice of a strategy consulting firm in New York. I then moved into retained executive search. So I got into hiring people still for the consulting industry. So it was a role pivot, but not an industry pivot. And then I moved in-house in a corporate HR role. So I was still doing recruiting, but it was for a media company. And it was from there that I started my own business. I will say that there were a couple of years in between the search firm and the corporate HR position that I was full-time working as an actor. And I, I if this were a video, it would be working in air quotes because really I was working a lot, but a lot of it was unpaid. Little indie films and student films and black box theater and lots of auditions. And extra work that when you factor in everything, it doesn't really pay. And so I I tell people, I went from a six-figure job to a three-figure job. That's not a typo, or you didn't mishear me. Three figures, because that's how much I earned, you know, one year just from, like, cobbling together stuff. And then you, you, you net out the headshots, the transportation costs of going to the auditions, the classes. You know, so much training that goes into it. And so... Uh, so I did a lot of pivots before you you met me, and then of course entrepreneurship is a pivot
0: every day with your business. Yeah, I never knew you went into acting. Wow, that's a big change and a massive jump in income from six figures to three figures. That's really scary. Yeah, for sure. So I think this
1: is going to be helpful to a lot of people because I actually think of myself as being very risk averse and conservative. And yet when people hear that I left a six-figure job to pursue, and this is in New York City, which is not cheap, as you know. Not at all. Not cheap to live there. It's not as out of left field as it seems. I actually was a double major in college in music and economics. So I always had a left side, right side of the brain, I think, tug of war going on. I always enjoyed both of those things. Um, I was a classical pianist. I actually trained at Juilliard, Manhattan School of Music. Uh, I don't even like classical music to listen to. So it was one of these things, you fall into it, discover you have a talent, and then I was off to the races. I also joke that I'm Asian, so what do you do? You play an instrument. So, um, so there I was, you know, with this music degree, um, but in a business career, and I really, really missed the art. And frankly speaking, I had really always wanted to be an actor. I loved doing plays, and I was in school, plays, you know, that you would do in your elementary school or middle school. So it wasn't anything, anything big or anything, but I, I really, really enjoyed being on stage. And yeah. I had always wanted do that. And so this this kind of calling when I could feel like my my business job was not fulfilling, I started to pay attention to, Okay, so what are some of the other things that I'm interested in? And I didn't then just quit my job and become an actor. There was an over a year's worth of I started taking one class. I took one class and I said to myself, I'm going to take this class and it's probably not what I think. And then I'm just going to be done with it. Because actually, one of the other things that I really thought that I would enjoy is crafting. I had always looked at these Martha Stewart magazines. I always thought that I was going to create all these things. I took one four-week sewing class, and I I was almost sticking the needles in my eyes by the end of that class. I was just (laughs) so—I would have paid the teacher to get out of the class. So I was so not interested, and I've never looked at a crafting book again. I have no desire. So that's what I thought with the whole acting bug. I said, okay, I'm going to take this class and then it, I'll, I'll be done with it, like the sewing. And it'll get me closer to figuring out what it is that I want to do. It'll be an outlet for while I have this job that that was okay, but not 100% fulfilling. And then I took the class and I, it was, it was like I was back in grade school. Uh, you know, I just enjoyed it so much. And I realized like, wow, you know, this is, this is what it feels like to enjoy something right which i think a lot of people who have jobs that they don't like have really forgotten i call it the passion muscle they have let it atrophy they don't even know what it's like to do something just for the pleasure of doing it and not to make money not to feel important not to get to the next rung on the ladder but that that it's something that you do and it's incredibly enjoyable. I took this acting class and I was like, wow, this is so, 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 so great. So, again, I didn't just quit my job I because there, there's a difference between doing something as a hobby that you enjoy and doing something as a profession. Mm-hmm. So, this is a nice hobby, right? So, I'm going to enjoy doing this as I do it, but I, rather than being on stage, I liked actually the film and TV aspect of it. I took a TV class. I took a soap opera class. I never even watched soap operas. It was fascinating. I just learned so much. And I was just having fun. I was taking class after class after class. And I started taking two classes. Then it started to get really busy with my job. And I was married and I had um, one kid at the time, you know, and was thinking about having the second kid. So it wasn't as if I had a lot of free time. But I really, really enjoyed it. And as I was taking these classes, and the classes were more and more populated by people who were actually doing it for a living, the other thing too was that in order to get involved with the projects that I wanted to get involved with, TV stuff or film stuff, I really needed to be available during the day. I really needed to be in it more than as a student or as a hobbyist. And so I knew in the back of my mind that if I was going to take this a step further, I would need to think rethink my day job. So again, like I wasn't making money from acting. So it wasn't like I could I could rely on it as my profession. But what I did was I didn't just look the other way and say, well, you know, I have a six figure job and I just can't walk away. I, I thought of it in terms of what would need to happen for me to walk away aside from winning the lottery, which is out of my control. Right. So like, I started saying to myself, sure. I have the six figure job, but I'm also married. So I share expenses and how much do I really spend, Right? Like if I lost my job, for example, it would be the same thing, right? If I suddenly lost this job, how long could we survive? Like, what would that look like? And so I spent a year actually living as if i didn't have that job because i wanted to see how tethered am i to the income how tethered am i to the security blanket of having a job like just i just wanted to feel and i wanted a uh, hardcore numbers on it because i i ran my own budgets, but it's never the same as living it and so after a year I was actually not able to save my after-taxing, which tells me that I was relying on my job. Even as many cuts and things that I was trying to do, I was not able to cut it out entirely. So I knew that if I was going to do this acting thing, because I couldn't rely on making money as an actor, I would have to do something else, you know, and juggle it with the acting. And so I, I had that at the back of my mind. And actually my first client... I jumped into the acting thing knowing that I'd have to work at least part-time and my first client was my employer so that I I left right and so that's the thing that I I remind people who want to change careers and they hear my story and they and of course it sounds like you left a six-figure job to for a three-figure job as an actor it sounds like this incredible jump But it was actually a a very baby step to baby step to baby, you know, to another, to another, to another over a period of time. And maybe I could have done it sooner and maybe I could have done it differently, but it's what worked for me. And so I tell people, it's like you can find a way that even if you're risk averse and conservative like me and that you rely on your income and that you don't have a lot of free time because I had, you know, I had a kid and I was married and I had a big job.
0: You still will find a way if you really want to do it. So you did put a lot of thought and planning into it. A lot of us don't. I mean, I think, yes, it's the smart thing to do to review your finances and budgets and what life will be like without that income. I didn't do that much planning. um, I'll be honest. I kind of just left. Um, Sure, I looked at my budgets, but, you know, but it was more of a leap of faith, I would say which is very different right and and sometimes that happens but it's a smart way to do it especially if you're and I will say risk aware not risk averse I I I tend to think of that way um, preferably for for us uh, for women particularly because we are always told we are more risk averse and it's not that it's just we we think through things in a different way and to be fair, you also became an entrepreneur, which I don't think that that is something that you do if you are risk averse. Starting your own business is also pretty the risky.
1: entrepreneurship is, and it's interesting. I I, I feel differently about it pre pandemic and post pandemic. If I can, because there's so much more flexibility now with the way that people work, it just wasn't there when I jumped into business for myself i largely became an entrepreneur because of the way that i wanted to work and live like i just could not see myself in the corporate environment having the flexibility and the unlimited earning potential honestly of being an entrepreneur so it's so it varies maricela based on what your role is right so i was in hr which is a cost center at companies. And, you know, senior leaders will jump up and down and say, people are our greatest asset and strategy and this, that, and the other thing. But at the end of the day, HR costs something. It it doesn't trend back to revenue. And so there really is a cap there, which doesn't exist as an entrepreneur. And then pre-pandemic, there really was just so much less appetite for flexible working arrangements uh, both schedule, location, just you know, in terms of how roles are fashioned. So, I don't know that I would have had to have done it this way if 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 um, we had as much flexibility as we do now. Um, but at the same time, to your point about with entrepreneurship, I do think it affords the ability to pick and choose what you're working on, uh, which direction you take your your business and what you do day to day. There's so much of that flexibility there. And yes, you have to do things that you don't necessarily enjoy, but it's very um, it's very thought through. I just feel like you're you're constantly thinking about, okay, what do I have to do today? What would be a nice thing to do today? Like, how can I get all these things done? And so it does, that question of what should I be doing that comes up every single day as an entrepreneur, Whereas in a traditional job, you can look up year after year and then be like, oh, my God, am I still in this role that I said that I was going to leave, you know, five years ago? I've seen I've seen that from people that work with. Yeah.
0: So you talk about your practice and I and I want to talk about the people that you work with, because I think you see a lot of different stories. What do you see the most from your clients? Do you see people who have done pivots that are very thought through as the ones that you are describing or people who do more like what I did and just kind of leave or what at what point are they are they coming to you like have their is their mind made up are they in at a point of being ready to jump um, i'm kind of curious of how people go through this decision making process of what they're doing next and i know you help a lot of people with that
1: it's all over the board. And I actually want to go back to something you said, Marisella, because when I talked about um, not quitting my job and really doing as many experiments as possible while I was still working and, and you said, oh, no, I did it the opposite where I just quit my job. That's actually something that I see quite often. So I see both things. I see people who, who hold on to their job and try to do the pivot while they're working. I see people who just will will quit because they feel like they don't have the headspace, and they don't have the emotional space to do it any other way. And there's no right or wrong to that, right? I mean, you come to your pivot where you are. And we all start from where we are, right? So I just want to bring that up because I don't want people to hear that there's, you know, one way of doing it. That actually is just, that's just not useful because you are where you are. And so if you happen to already have uh, quit your job, or if you lost your job, you know, some people will, will lose their job. And then it becomes what I call the come to Jesus, that's where they just, they say, wait a minute. Like, do I really wanna try to get that same thing again? Maybe this is a wake up call to do something different. And so we all come at it from a different perspective And I think it's just, you know, you ask about like, how do people do their pivots? I mean, there's just so many different ways. And so usually when I get started with a client, it's trying to unpack, like, what have you already tried? Because I like to see how their mind, what what their natural inclination is, you know, what their habits are, what they thought was going to work because they know themselves better than anybody else and I certainly don't know them that well in the moment. So I'm listening for okay, what did you think and how did that work out yeah, for you and let's start from there and not just you know, try this plug
0: and play thing that might not be relevant to where you are. Thank you for saying that. I mean, it does it does make me feel better to remind myself and I think remind our listeners that everyone comes to this at different moments in time. For me, I was one of the ones you mentioned, like your clients, who didn't have enough headspace or emotional space to do a pivot while I was working. I mean, my job was all-consuming. That was all I thought about. I needed to take that jump if I wanted to have the space to actually explore what I want. And like you said, other people also come come at a pivot because the universe kind of kicked their butt into it, and it wasn't necessarily their choice. So, yeah, we all we all come from different circumstances. So you say people know themselves the best and and sure, but I would also argue a lot of us kind of sometimes don't want to see or don't want to be honest. Um, I'm very curious what do you think or what do you see when you talk to your clients as one of the biggest obstacles that they face? when trying to do a big change like this or when approaching a moment of change, like a big career pivot?
1: I think one of the biggest obstacles is the mindset of, I already know that. I already know that. I already tried that. That's not going to work. That's not me. So there needs to be an openness. There has to be some something inside you that says, I can make a change and I might not know where that change is going to come from or where it's going to lead, but I am open to doing something differently. If we can get there, then we're off to the races. Because as I said, people come to their pivots differently and what's the next step for one person is different from the next step for someone else. But but what they all have in common is that they take a step and it's something that they hadn't possibly considered, or maybe it is something they considered, but we're going to try to do it slightly differently, or we're going to try to stay at it for a little bit longer, or something. We're tweaking, so there's always something that's different, and they're just open to saying, okay, maybe I don't agree, or I don't understand fully where this is going to lead, but I'm willing to do it.
0: So it's all about them having an open mind. How do you get them to make that Shift.
1: Yeah. So it can be something as simple as, you know, I'll say, well, keep a journal. And many people will say, well, I already journal. And I say, yeah, okay. But I want you to pay attention to just the notions that come to you of things that you enjoy. So I'm going to go back to that passion muscle. I do think that people really have no idea. So I have them write a hundred, I call it the hundred dreams exercise, and it is a hundred. And there's a hundred things that you want to be, do, or have, like at some point, some of these things you've already done, maybe like say that you want to get married or you want to go to college or you want to get a graduate degree or something like that. And so some things you've already done, but there are other things you haven't done, maybe a book that you haven't read or a trip you haven't taken or something, something, so like big and small, like not just, I want to be an actor and work in films or something that might be on there too, but it's big and small, right? So I have them write down that list and I have them find things that they can do right away. So things like reading that book, or taking the sewing class, in my case, or, you know, whatever it is, just to get back in touch with things that they enjoy. So I had a client who, again, swore up and down. It's like, I have no idea what I want to do. I'm exhausted. I have this job, and I work 80 hours, and I can't leave the job because I don't have any saving you know I mean it's like on and off right it's like the world is against me and you know I have I have no one and that you know like a level zero on my superpower you know like whatever stuck gun. so okay I get that and so I had him write out his list and so many of the things were big things but I was really pulled pushing him there must be some smaller things smaller things smaller things and one of the things was to watch all the movies on the american film institute list top 100 movies of all time of which citizen Kane was number one for a long time so not my favorite movie nonetheless okay we we, yeah anyway he wanted to see those things and and didn't he collapsed in front of the the tv anyway when he got back from work because he said that he was too tired to do anything else that we possibly could have come up with i said well why don't you just watch those movies and he was like okay and he was like this is my assignment to watch the movies and i was like yeah you're gonna be sitting in front of your cat you know on your couch anyway and so he started watching these movies and I said, is it what you thought it was? Like, are you really enjoying the movies?" He said, yeah, I'm really enjoying the movies. And he just became a much nicer person. I mean, he was just so unhappy at his thought that it really affected everything. And so instead of talking about his job, he would talk about the movies. He would constantly talk about movies. And he would he, he then found the energy to go out again because then he could talk about his movies. And then so he started networking. So he, he couldn't network before. I, I, I told him, don't go networking because you're it's gonna hurt your job sir it is, it's gonna hurt you because you're so miserable and he recognized that we could talk very freely so something as small as that it actually just he just became a better person because of it he by the way became an act he went back to school for statistics and became an actuary he had been in the legal research field so again very big pivot i'm not telling you to run out and be an actuary but I don't choose for my clients what they're interested in. The Appointing. <laughs> he got there by way of the movie. So I'm just telling you,
0: there is a path for everybody. I love that story so much. Uh, I love that. The 100 dream exercise. I will absolutely have to do that. I will be honest. I have been going through this phase, right, since before I quit. That's part of it where I didn't, I don't know what my passion is anymore. I really don't. Um, I was so passionate about writing when I was growing up and I, and when I was home, and I think I've talked about this before, but when I was home, uh, after I quit for three weeks, I looked at my journals and all of them were, I want to be a writer. I want to be a writer. I want to be a writer. And I stopped doing that. I, I forgot about that passion and I kind of went in a different direction, which has you know, served me well. I've worked with passion and mission all my life, but but I think I'm at a point where I need to do that exercise too. I think I need to, to get back in touch with the things I want to do. And speaking about exercises, there's an exercise you talked about at one of our Elevate events a long time ago, and you have no idea how much that helped me. Um, So I want to share it here because it was something that I never thought about and it helped me a lot. And I've actually shared it with a lot of people. You said, write down the name of 100 people that you know, because you might not think you know that many people, but you do. Some might be close, some might not, some you might have lost touch with, but you know them and they are people you can reach out to.
1: Yeah, there's something magical about 100 because it really forces you to push through the, I'm done, I'm done, I can't go any further. And it's, yes, you can. Um, Because the thing about career change and networking actually, and passion, figuring out what you want to do is that it's a numbers game, actually. Because the reality is, is that with, with networking, let's just say, to continue your example there, yes, I I do know that exercise. I give it to all my clients. It's called Network of 100. I'm just not very creative with the titles. But um, networking is a numbers game because even if you take these 100 people, some people just won't get back to you. You've lost touch with them. Or maybe you don't have the right email and it didn't bounce back. Or maybe you don't, whatever, whatever, whatever. Some people will just not respond. Some people will respond and They're not who you remember and that's totally fine. We all like, we all change and maybe they're in a completely different field now. And so what you thought you were gonna talk to them about, not relevant and there's really nothing there. Um, They're not, you you don't get on as much as you had thought before. You know, so there are a lot of things that happen. There are some people where, yeah, this is great. I, I have this great, I've rekindled this connection and it's a great social connection. But if we're talking about professional networking, oh, they're in a different field now there's just nothing that we have in common professionally, right? Or there's nothing going on in this moment. That happens. And so from a hundred, which seems like a lot, you might just have a handful of people where for a professional networking reason, like a job search or a career change, or you're starting your business or whatever, there is some overlap there. But you have to go through like a lot of of things and you might come out with friends i always tell people it is at the end of the day it's a fun exercise because you rekindle connection and you make friends so whatever happens with your job search or your business or whatever it is that you're doing it for it'll still be fun just recognize that sometimes you don't get out of it what you think is going to happen
0: and it's also about being open to that though when I came back from my trip home, I posted on LinkedIn about, you know, hey, who who wants to talk about transitions with me? And lots of people broke back. A lot of people broke back or commented. Some of them were people who I knew from Elevate, like yourself or like others who were very helpful. But some of them I didn't expect. It was friends of mine who I hadn't talked to in years and who now I'm back in touch and it's been really helpful. In fact, some of them are the ones on my podcast now. So you never know where that's going to lead you. So with your clients and with your experience, are there any traits or characteristics or things in common with those people who have done a successful pivot? So we've talked about a couple of them. So
1: one is a self-awareness. We start where we are. And so someone at least who can look around and say, I am not 100% satisfied with what I'm doing, what I'm earning, where I'm living, whatever. So there needs to be something that propels the person forward to take action. So they all have that in common, for sure. I would say that the um, curiosity and the openness, right? So to try things to say, okay, maybe I did that before, but I'm willing to try again. Oh, maybe I disagree, but I'm gonna just just try, right? So I, I think you absolutely positively need to have that. And then I would say the the third thing that I think is the most, not the most important of the three, but it's something that I think people do not consider and think is kind of weird actually, when I bring it up in a consultation call, um, is what I call urgency and if there is no urgency um, there's a danger that nothing is going to happen so I will create a sense of urgency so I'll explain what I mean so urgency is I just quit my job and I have savings in the bank that will last me for three months but I need to figure this out in three months they have an external financial urgency in that case for many people there is some sort of external financial urgency. I can stay with my parents for three months, but after that, I have to figure out where to live, right? So there's some sort of consequence that dictates their job search, that that gives it a finite thing. Or it might be something like, I'm actually working with with a client who's going through a promotion campaign, potentially at her company, and she knows that if she doesn't get this promotion because she feels like she deserved it and was already passed over, he wants to have a plan B in case, you know, the unthinkable happens so that she can just be like, okay, then I'm leaving, right? But leaving into something that, right. so that makes sense. Um, so when I say that I'll create the urgency if there is none, you know, the most dangerous is when there isn't. Some people will say, oh, yes, there's a financial urgency, but there really isn't because at the end of the day, they still have let's say a retirement asset, or they have a residence that they can sell, or they can move in with their parents, or they can rely on their spouse. And so they might not want to do those things, but the reality is, is that they still absolutely can they're not going to be homeless, right? Homelessness would be the real financial urgency. And so without that, they did them, you know, so they might have the self-awareness. I'm not happy. They might have the curiosity. I'm going to try a lot of things. And then they try and 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 they they don't make any decisions or they don't have any sort of natural. So with the acting, because I wanted to do TV and film and not, let's say, theater, which in New York City, like there are tiny, tiny theaters. You can do them ad nauseum. You can fit it into any sort of thing. But TV, film, slightly different. And so there was a there was a. A brick wall that i ultimately hit it's like i have to make this my day job or i'm gonna go no further there's no other way to do this and so there was already a natural thing where i had to say okay what what can i do here but for some people that doesn't exist they they will go from class to class or they'll they'll talk to people they'll talk to hundreds of people they'll take my network of a hundred times ten and then they won't but they still won't get to that that finish line where it says you're going to decide. So I had a client who was like this. She was in investment banking, so she was making money. And she was very unhappy, but she obviously wasn't so unhappy that it was impacting her job. She still had this job with this giant paycheck, tears. I know, cue the tears. Um, But she came to me and she said, I have worked with two coaches over two years and I still don't know what I want to do. So what can you do for me? And I said, oh, well, that's not going to happen when we work together. Cause you're going to decide after the first session. You have to, she was like, no. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, no. And so, uh, yes, yeah, so we did, we did decide on something, which was actually incorrect because like I said, you need to be able to experiment and do things. But the point was was that I gave her a deadline, which said, okay, we have 60 minutes and you're going to decide. And I I forced her. So I talked about passion as a muscle. Discipline is also a muscle. And I said, at the end of this call, we are going to pick something. And for two weeks, you're not going to second guess what we picked. You're going to go after it like it is water in the desert. You're going to do the research. We're going to talk to people. The only thing that you're going to do is it's going to hold tight to the thing that we said it was going to be which was something related to hr and by the way she ended up going from an investment banking job to a director of community outreach and fundraising for a K through k-12 public school system in a giant city very very different job and not hr right but the the point was was that she had in her mind she had informing people, leadership development. I love teaching. I love coaching. So education could come out of there. But as we were talking, she was talking about adults. So I said, oh, let's, let's think about an HR type of thing. And she said, okay. And so for, for two weeks, we really were homing in on HR and, and what that would look like. And in those activities, she was like, this isn't right. This isn't right. The target's not right. But it forced her to think of herself differently. She had to say, okay, banker. now I'm HR. How would I talk about myself? How would I message my resume, my LinkedIn profile? How would I do that research? What does it even mean to do research into HR? And so she was doing things tactically, right? That she could then repeat once we got education more refined as a target. Then she's able to rinse, wash, and repeat, wash, rinse, and repeat is what it is, right? Like, so she can, he knows how to do the research. He knows how to do the messaging. Obviously, the messaging is different. And then we're working on those things at the margins. But it, it's the urgency. It's the saying, okay, you're going to decide now, and you're going to finish in three months. Now, I fully, she actually did finish in three months. Now, I fully was not expecting her to finish in three months. That's a confluence both of her sheer determination but also luck i mean it just you you can't time the job market it just so happened that way but the 30 the the 90 days that i i give to my clients it's typical um that is the maximum that i will work with them at a period of time because i tell them you change in a business quarter if you aren't ready to go in a business quarter by the next quarter it's a totally different economy totally different set of competitors they've completely changed the strategy not that you're starting from zero but you're starting again and so you have to move with your search with a sense of urgency and so that's the trait like people who can buy into that will will be successful at least with the approach that i you know that i follow with people is that that you have to push with a little bit of speed And you have to push in a way that feels uncomfortable and that might feel too fast. And then again, sometimes it takes longer than three months just because the market takes longer or you might pivot what you're looking for. She came to the HR to education thing relatively quickly. Some people, it's not that quick. They'll swear up and down. It's one thing. And then they'll pivot a little bit later. But that's totally fine. We are where we are. The point is, is that you have to have some sort of deadline. Otherwise, nothing happens.
0: I can really relate to your client with the not knowing what to do and needing that um, kind of that deadline. And 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 look, the financial deadline is, is real, right? Like you need to make a living. But I can see, you know, I do have support. I do have, you know, a way to make things, make ends meet. I'm not going to go hungry. Uh, I'm very privileged to be able to do that and to have been able to make that switch the way I did. However though I do need to I am scared that I will not have enough of an urgency to go and and move forward. I know I can think a lot. I'm like so scared that I'm going to sp- that I'm going to spend so much time just exploring 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 and then just freeze. Wow, there you go. But that but just even having
1: that awareness, right? So it's thinking through how can I build in that urgency that's That will hold my feet to the fire, but won't be so overwhelming that it causes analysis paralysis, right? Or it just makes me feel overwhelmed. So, you know, yeah, you have to, you have to play with it a little bit. That's why it's always helpful to have an accountability partner or somebody who can help like dial that back or, or raise that up if you're
0: going to slowly potentially. And to be fair, the, you have to do it in a quarter. That's pretty eye-opening. That helps as a um, benchmark of you have to move your butt. As you talk about, you know, you have to do things in a quarter. What do you think about the job market now? Because it can't be scary. I've, I've. That's one thing that I've heard. It's like, are you scared with the current job market? Are you scared with the current economy? Well, there is no one job market, right? So industries move
1: and... Different ways. Now, obviously, there is a general economy. And so I would say that the general economy is difficult. We've got interest rates hiking up. We have, you know, recently had, you know, very fast moving inflation, which seems to be increasing more slowly, but still increasing. We have a war going on. We have political tensions, not just in the US, but across the globe. So there are a lot of difficulties that are industry agnostic. So every company is going to be facing this, every sector, the the government sector, the nonprofits. So yes, there is a general economy, but we all know this, that some people will thrive and some people won't. Some companies will thrive and some won't. And so there is no one job market. So when I mentioned not timing the market, I just meant that you might be in late stages with a company, and but they have rounds and rounds and rounds of interviews, versus other companies might have just three interviews, and they all get done on the same day, and the stars align, and it's very quick. It's very hard to predict that. It's impossible to predict it from the outside. Like, I can't even tell you, oh, yeah, financial services moves at this speed, and media moves at this speed. And I worked in those industries. So because it's just not the same for every single company geography and and time in the market so that's why i'm saying the 90 day urgency that i i tell my clients to have i i want them to believe that because things do change business quarter to business quarter but i also don't want them to beat themselves over the head if they're just in a state where oh but we're not finished yet with all of my interviews and this, that and the other things. yeah because we can't control
0: when you exactly meet that dream company and how far along the process you are yeah I guess there's so many things out of our control it's important to keep that in mind and you know like you said at the beginning we all come to our pivot when we come to our pivot wherever we are oh absolutely Caroline thank you so much for doing this this has been so much fun I always love talking to you Thank you for listening to Shit, I Just Quit My Job. I hope you found this conversation useful and inspiring and maybe got a laugh or some ideas out of it. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It means the world to me. Please share with your friends.